Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a great episode today. It is with Jordan Carlos. This might be the most I've ever laughed in an episode. I think so. I think so. And real quick, if you want to check Jordan Carlos out, you can this Friday and next Monday. He's going to be at Nell's Bells Comedy Festival in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And if you're in the New York City area, you can check him out at Union Hall on Phoebe and Calice. Thought they would be hella famous by now. You can get tickets to those shows on his website, jordancarloscomic.com. So definitely check that out. And also, go to thereitispod.com and check out our latest festival submission blog. If you are interested in performing in a comedy festival, we have a blog letting you know which festivals have open submissions right now. All right, well, as I mentioned, we have a fun episode today. This chat with Jordan is fantastic. We talk about all the things. Why don't we just get right to it? Here's my chat with Jordan Carlos. You are originally from Dallas, Texas. How long did you live there? That's true. I lived there until I was 19 years old. And then I went to college up in Rhode Island and I just got out of the state because I saw the way things were going. I was like, I gotta get up out of here, man. I knew in the nineties, I knew in the nineties. The nineties, I remember hearing a lot of people in Texas that were they called Texicans who wanted to secede from the Union. That's all we do. That's what we do down south. We just were like, we're like, we're taking a Nerf ball and getting out of here. It worked out so well the first time, you know, <laughs> I know right? Just keep doing it. Just well, I'm from, it. I'm from Where South from? Carolina, so there's still people. Oh my there. God. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Y'all have a great flag though. I love the palm tree with the moon. Yeah. Beautiful. The, beautiful flag. Charleston's beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to a wedding in Charleston, man. I'm going oh. to a wedding. Yeah, yeah, going to a wedding. It's like my sister cousin. Is that a destination wedding or does she live there? It's a destination. Nobody lives there, but, you know, it's kind of like a, from what I know about Charleston, it's a bit of a chocolate city. I'm not sure. I don't know. It is one of the more progressive places in in South Carolina, if not. Now, I mean, it's definitely top that's two. That's saying a lot. It is. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> listen, they, they gave us Hootie and the Blowfish. They gave us, they gave us those fun Gamecocks hats. Just say cocks on them, everybody. Uh, yep. What? Come on. Yeah. In high school, I used to, I used to rock those. Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. The white hats. Come on. I went to a private school, bro. <laughs> I you didn't know. That. Yeah. So, but <laughs> that's funny. You could just be like, no, but there, it's for a college. It's just a college hat. It's just college. What's the problem? It's the Gamecocks. Lighten up, teach. They so, have... yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> I remember when, like 20 years ago, they the school put some sort of edict out saying, you can't put cocks on a hat anymore. And it, it could be on a shirt, but it couldn't be on a hat. And it's like, what's the difference? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a decision by committee. That's an, auto, an autocratic decision would be like, there's not going to be cocks on anything anymore. We're tired of the cocks. We're tired of it. We want respect. And they're just like, how about just cocks on a shirt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A total different meaning there. Yeah, that works. So where are you right now, man? I'm in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. I'll come over. You, you mean anything? Head on over. <laughs> yeah, I do need, uh, I need a sandwich. Oh, um, you need to say, okay. I skipped okay. lunch. Oh, no. And it's not good. Not good. Wait, where, what part of Brooklyn are you in? This I'm in matters. Gowanus. <laughs> oh, you're killing it. Look at you. You're in Gowanus? People don't know. Uh, yeah, I know. People are always like, where? Like, yeah. We got Dirty Precious. We got Bell House. You know about Bell House because you perform there. I know all about Bell House. I love Bell House. First and foremost, people need to know that Gowanus 
it, it's an old Dutch word for you, you, you're killing it. It's a good neighborhood. Yeah. You know, good bars, good restaurants. Yeah. Table 87. Um, yeah. A, a little toxic creek. <laughs> yeah. We That's do have fine. that. They say they're cleaning it up, but I think they gave up when they were like, oh, there's too much in here. Yes. I, but uh, do you remember when the dolphin went in there? I heard about that. And didn't it die or something because it was so toxic? The or maybe dolphin, it's just the water was too different in general. The dolphin might have been trying to end its life anyway, but it, it did swim up into the creek, get turned around and just like gave up. Like, I was like, this dolphin, man, it's brittle. Yeah. So <laughs> I've heard about it. I can't remember when that happened. So uh, we moved here in 2017. Oh, okay. So you that missed the have, highlights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I missed that part. But I did yeah. hear, I mean, people talk about that. <laughs> yes. Now I, I used to live on 8th Street, giving nothing away. I lived on 8th Street and 3rd Avenue up from 420 Blackbirds, which is yeah. a great high place. That's right by us. Yeah. We're not Bro, Paul Dano goes to that point. I mean, like, for there's real, any, if there's any Paul Dano stalkers. If you want to see Paul Dano get down on a pie, <laughs> motorboat on a freaking blueberry buckle. Yeah. You, you, a black bottom pie. Yeah, that yeah, black bottom pie. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I thought it was cool because I never got the pie. Like, I'd be in there and I'd be like, give me the coffee. And they'd be like, no pie. <laughs> I was like, I'm too cool, man. Let's go on us, buddy. <laughs> That's hilarious. You go yeah. to the, the place renowned for its pie, and you're like, never. <laughs> yes, because I'm an asshole. So <laughs> well, it's like I go to Shake Shack, and I maybe once got the shake, but I never, oh, yeah. I went years not getting a shake because everyone yeah. talks about the burgers. <laughs> so that's what I got. Oh, yeah. 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 We don't even talk about it. My son, I took my, my son loves Shake Shack. That's like his, that's his final, like if you were on death row, that'd be his final meal. <laughs> and he's like, he finally was like, can I get a chocolate shake? I was like, I don't even know if they had, oh, <laughs> yeah, they, yes, sure, man. <laughs> it's hilarious that it's yeah. called Shake Shack. It's in the name and it's a shack of shakes and people still don't really go for the shakes. I mean, right, I guess like people the, do, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, they still like it, but it's like, you know, it's not, it, you don't lead with the shakes, you know, right. it, you, you lead with the burger. And mm -hmm. on top of that, think about Dunkin' Donuts, you know, like Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> they got rid of the donuts. <laughs> yeah, they barely do donuts because <laughs> they aren't the best donuts. It's mostly the coffee now. Whoa, whoa, whoa bro. As a Southerner, Krispy Kreme. Agree, a Krispy Kreme guy. Okay, so we didn't even. I mean, have... Dough Donuts is actually my 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 spot. But I mean, Listen, growing up, <laughs> we know you've elevated the game, and now you're a dough. I understand that. That where you could get like a hibiscus donut. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's made by some some person who went to Oberlin or some shit. <laughs> I know, I know. I, this listen, is so listen. Brooklyn now. This is Good. what being so Brooklyn is. Now. <laughs> it's talking about dough donuts, <laughs> black bottom pies. We can elevate anything. We can elevate anything. We just, I think we haven't, like the hot dog's impossible to elevate. So they'll never elevate the hot dog. Yeah, but at least impossible. Nathan's is in Coney Island, which is in Brooklyn. So he, yes. I mean, I guess we got that. Yes. I think that the, the, the culinary experts are working on elevating the hot dog right now, but they just haven't cracked the code. Yeah. Because it's just, it's too basic. It's just a dumb wiener in a bun. Nothing you can do about it. Right, right. So you, you moved to Brooklyn in 2017. See, now I'm doing the interview. So you moved uh -huh. to Brooklyn in 2017. I've been here for 20 years. Wow. Are you lucky, unlucky enough to live on the New York Marathon route? Is that is that your life? <laughs> that is where we are. We are off of, we are very close to that avenue. So <laughs> we get to walk. I mean, there have been a few years where we went to, because our, when we didn't have, a laundromat i mean we didn't have a wash and dryer in, in the unit right. our laundromat was on fourth avenue and it's <laughs> i know it i know it yeah I know the one i yeah. know the one yeah yeah the one with the birds yes the yeah. same yes, yeah. yes, yes 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 so we we would go there do a load of laundry watch the race watch friends run by <laughs> try to one year we tried to spot kevin hart i don't think we did we kind of was in it kevin hart was in it a wow. few years ago. Oh, cool. And I think we spotted him. 
but I think I feel like I mostly saw his people around him and didn't really get a good look at him. Yeah. And now I think he's in a wheelchair. So what? He's in a wheelchair right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what that's happened? The, that's the wheel of time for you people. He basically, so he was, he was running and Kevin Hart like challenged this guy to a foot race who was a former NFL player. And then he like, he tore all his abductors Ooh. and everything. And so he had to be, because he's like 44, so he had to be in a wheelchair. So that's that's basically, you're 44. Yeah, yeah. I did not hear this about <laughs> Kevin Hart. Wow, well. Listen, born in 79, you got to keep up with the people of, from your class, bro. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. So he was in a wheelchair like lately. But it does, you know, I'm 45. And I think about those kind of things, yeah. which is, you know, yeah. I, I don't do sprinting anymore. That Yeah, so, I mean, that's. If you needed your cue, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast and newsletter. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about Please. your career because. Oh, uh, sure. That? Be between all your stand up and TV mm -hmm. work and film work, people have seen you. <laughs> people have seen you in things. Sure. Very, you're very notably Stephen Colbert's black friend, black friend. that, that I, famous yeah. picture that yeah, we've that seen my, for about my first years. gig. That was my first gig right there. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing. Like, so in entertainment, you've done a bunch of stuff, but then mm -hmm. before that, you worked at an ad firm here. You didn't move here for getting into the industry, did you? Yeah. Well, Jason, first of all, I did move here. Okay. To, I can finally admit it. I moved here for comedy, you know? Okay. So you did move here for comedy, but you took yeah. the safe route with the ad firm job. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Safe route. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, you got to pay Mark, your bills. You got to pay yeah. your bills in New York. Hey, so you graduated like, from Brown. You got to use that degree. I, I did. I did graduate from Brown. I don't know how, but I did it. And so <laughs> I somehow made it out. So well, yeah, when I came when I came to the city, yeah, I did ad work for about four or five years. And that was cool. I used to write ads for a living, mm. you know, kind of like Don Draper, but less boozing <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> less in, less insanity and so yeah i mean i, I kind of like did a shawshank and dug my way out of that uh, and then did stand up after that so it was stand up and acting and things like that so i mean i've always been like a swiss army knife right so mm -hmm. it's like it's like i did the acting but i was also doing stand up at the same time and then i would do like i did like in my life i've been in about 30 commercials i guess so mm -hmm. 30 commercials a lot of them when I just didn't have a job mm -hmm. and after after advertising. So I was like, I, I was like, ah, this face can sell something. Mm -hmm. So that was that was basically my life, which is when I think about it now, completely insane because <laughs> yeah. I was just living job to job in com like doing commercials. And I was so I was so bougie that I refused <laughs> to get like a like a waiting job or anything like that. I was just like. I'm going to see how this goes. <laughs> and it it went well. I mean, it went well. It it, it definitely went well. But, you know, that, that was such a crazy part of life. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wonder if I'd do it again. You know, I wonder if I'd do it again. You know, what but would it, you yeah. change if you if you did it differently? Would you? I'd be a waiter. Are you out of your mind? I'd need <laughs> st some, some stable income, you know, something like that. I see. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. You know, I get an OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, those weren't a thing back then. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it wasn't as easy for people to do that back then. No, no. I've had you, a lot of people. So you moved here for comedy. So you had done some comedy before. Mm -hmm. uh, did you, when did you start in college? I started in high school, actually. I did, oh, I wow. did improv in high school. And, and mm -hmm. you know, my school, Eliza Schlesinger went to my school as well. She was a couple of years behind me mm -hmm. and she also did an improv. So I did improv. And then when I got to college, I did improv as well. Mm -hmm. And I was very lucky. The people that I went to, to school with at the time, like John Krasinski, who uh, ended up on The Office. And, yeah. You know, uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, there's another guy. Oh, my gosh. Matt, Matt Goldich is a writer for, like, Seth Meyer. So, like, all these folks, they kind of, like, you know, we were into comedy at the same time. Mm -hmm. And at that time, comedy wasn't really a, a thought of as, like, a career, you know, yeah. or something that you could kind of get serious about as much as it is now. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was just like, it was on the side, 
right? It was on the side. Like it was like, I don't know, like, like black eyed peas. It's on the side. Yeah. So then like <laughs> it comes with the meal. And then I was an economics major. So as an econ oh, major. Wow. Yeah. I was an econ major, but it was like, it was like the, the dummies econ economics it was business management. That's what I, I, I got my, my degree. And so when you're in an Ivy league school, there's actually like tiers of majors. So if you're like a, you know, if you're like pre-med, you know, mm -hmm. then, then people are like respect. <laughs> if you're, you know, like organic chemistry, they're like, oh, you, oh, I see where you're know. going. Yeah. You know, like semiotics, <laughs> beautiful art history, English, you know, like they're like, but when you're like business management, they're like, fucking loser. <laughs> he barely squeaked it out. Didn't he? So yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it's really, it's a good culture there. Very accepting. So, so anyway, I, I yeah, I, I shamefully made it out of, of Brown University. And then I, you know, I was doing comedy on the side. And when I made that my focus, that, that was like, things just kind of like, you know, life kind of opened up. It's, it was, it was, I, I, I was broke, but I was being creative and I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I was making my way, man. Yeah. And yeah, my friend, Frank Lesser, who also went to school with me at Brown, became a writer for Stephen Colbert in about 2005. And he okay. had just, you know, like he, that job he had until Stephen Colbert took the late night show. So like it was his first job out of college. He becomes a Colbert writer. And we were like, dude, you, who are you? You're a God, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was his idea. He pitched me as being Steven's black friend. Oh, so what, what made him pitch you as it? I was Frank's black friend. <laughs> Frank didn't, any, he didn't know any, he went through the lexic, you know, he went through the Rolodex and uh, there <laughs> said, I was. Here's a bit that I can put on this character. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, well, I can't be the black friend. I'll call my buddy Jordan. Oh, that's funny. And so that picture, yeah. I, I always assumed that picture was from some old Chicago. No, but that was something that you shot for the show. My buddy. Yeah. My buddy called me up, you know, remember you had to call people. There were no texts. You just had to be lucky enough to have service. Hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Things had to line up perfectly. Can you come down to this thing? Sure. I'm not doing anything. So, you know, Colbert Studio, which I would then eventually work with the work and work in for two years, two, three years on, on the nightly show is at 54th Street between 10th and 11th Avenue. Mm -hmm. And from from where I was in Brooklyn to there was the end of Siberia. It was like, I was like, where the hell is this place? Plus, at the time, it was not cute. It was the neighborhood. Hell's Kitchen lived up to its reputation and its name. And I was like, I don't know where I am. It was, <laughs> it was like rainy. There were dead cats. So I was like, uh, but we going for it. You know, I was like, a job is a job. So yeah, that definitely put me on the map for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. Uh, that's where I first saw you. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And after, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been kind of crazy since then. You know, I would do like, I, I did like guest spots on TV shows. Then finally I like, got i got in 2011 i got my first like sitcom series regular it was mm -hmm. like an, an mtv show mm -hmm. and and i got that it was 10 episodes it was it was with doug lyman and that was like crazy to work with the guy from the born supremacy and the born yeah. entity and the born i don't know all the borns so you know working with him was fantastic and then it was only one season that's my thing uh -huh. one okay. season and we're out baby was that i just yeah. want my pants back that was, I just want my pants back. It was fantastic. I can't mm -hmm. believe, I was, I remember feeling like a criminal because I was like 33 at the time, but I was like playing like a 23 year old or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're going to find out. <laughs> they're going to know I'm old, but you know, it don't crack. Black don't yeah, crack. Black don't crack. I was about to say, I mean. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if you. If people you look at our older, pictures, they're going to be like. 44 and 45 that's not possible yeah i know i was on a, a small aside like i was on the playground the other day with my son and my son is like my son is great my my daughter is intrepid and needs no one my son <laughs> my son is like wants you with him at all times he's great so he was like doing the rings you know like mm -hmm. on, a, on a playground and 
He was like, I don't get it. You know, and I was like, all right, so you just hold on to this ring and hold on and just we knew the next one or whatever. Right. And he's like, show me. And I was like, all right. So then I do the rings, right? <laughs> yeah. Which and is tough because it's low. It's so low. You gotta you gotta tuck your legs in uh-huh. and then do the rings. And I get to the other side, and then this dad goes, Must be nice being a dad in your 30s. And I was like, <laughs> These are one of those sad ones. You know, the ones that look like they just need water poured over them. They're so dry. They're so dusty. You know, you're in your yeah. park. Slip the places. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. The place is riddled with them. They're just pushing that up a baby. There might not even be a baby in there. You know, but it's like, yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm 45. And he goes, I'm 45. And I was like, well. <laughs> Yeah, I had I was buying beer at a at a <laughs> grocery store in South Carolina a few years back, and the you know I was doing the self checkout, so someone has to come over and look at your ID, and he he looks at it and goes, hands it back, and it's like, how are you older than me <laughs> by however many years I can't remember, but you look four years, five years younger than me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I, can't I don't know what to tell you. I think we all know the answers. Oppression, <laughs> sedentary lifestyle, <laughs> processed foods, yeah, no fresh air, yet, yeah. yet it's, war it's warm all the time, but people don't go outside. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, know, I mean, yeah. but that's, that's, you know, it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that, you know, like truly. <laughs> Truly to have that going on, Woo, get that vitamin E going. Yeah. So like, so basically after that, it was basically like a swim. It was a mad dash and a swim of like, yeah, you know, like different gigs, different gigs. You got to do a lot of college day. humor stuff, which at that time was really popping off in a way. And that had to have oh, helped. Yeah. The college humor helped. I mean, and, and it kept the lights on. I'm, I'm more like, you know, I have to admit, I'm, I'm more like a guy that does it, there's in, in this moment, which is great. I'm creating more mm -hmm. and, and, and listening to that creative side of me, but a lot of it is just fucking the rent is due, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like what, what do you got to show for the month? And so that's basically, I've always been good at that at hustling up econ, work, which econ is major too, econ major, <laughs> econ major C, you know? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, accounts receivable accounts payable, you know, well, you know, what do we got coming in revenue versus 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 income? Uh, so I, I think I've always been good at that. And only now am I starting to really kind of like try to create and have something to say. Because honestly, like it's hard to to have something to say <laughs> when you're on Dinty Moore and Ramen. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's hard to have something to say when you're just trying to make it, you know? Yeah. And you're just trying to get ahead. And it's, you know, it's hard to be an artist during that heads in that headspace well let's just let's just i mean and i'm you know which is sad because the bar is so low in america <laughs> you know mm -hmm. the, you know there's just so much support for artists mm -hmm. creative types all the all the 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 grants that we get <laughs> you know all the free money oh <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> not at all it's blood sport <laughs> <laughs> completely blood sport it's where art meets commerce and that's it man mm -hmm, so like mm -hmm. eventually like you know the nightly show came along yeah you got to write for that i that got was... to write for larry wilmore the incredible yeah. larry wilmore and robin wow. feedy as well it was cool man oh yeah she was the head writer there head writer right? yeah. absolutely yeah so that was an amazing experience especially because it was like the 2016 election so it was like you know the run-up to that and you know trying to stay Sane when we started, it was like 2014, and like things were pretty normal. It was chill, you got Obama, you know what I'm saying? It was like, like, what are we gonna make fun of? What are we gonna do? And then the world just lost its fucking mind. Yeah. And so that was that, man. But and I did that, and then after that, because it was a nightly show, I kind of burned out on doing late night, and then I was like, okay, mm -hmm. well, maybe, maybe I want to do sitcom writing. So I kind of like changed gears got a job writing for divorce on hbo with sarah jessica parker mm -hmm. which was totally different mm -hmm. i went from like a multicultural room to not so much so, <laughs> so which i was kind of used to when he, i was used to that growing up uh in texas right but but boy 
it's like, you know, it, it is it's a change of the venue. So I had sure. that experience. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I think, you know, from now on, I want to just like after that job was over, I was like, I want to just work in with people of color for a while, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. just try to work with people of color. So then I got a job writing for First Wives Club mm -hmm. after my agent said that I should not take the job because, you know, here's how it goes, Jason. So if you're writing for sitcoms, like, like when I wrote for SJP, mm -hmm. I was made script editor, which really means nothing, but it just, it's like a pay, it's a pay raise, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I worked for First Wives Club with the amazing Tracy Oliver, who wrote Girls Trip, among other things, mm -hmm. she was like, listen, I'm going to make you a staff writer. Staff writer is below. It's, it's like below, right? Yeah. Below. So I was like, hey, but it was like 2020. And I'm, I was like, I was a young budding Dr. Fauci. I kind of saw, you know, I saw <laughs> it was early 2020 and I saw bad things happen. Mm -hmm. so was, my manager. Yeah. Yeah. My manager, you know, this ends, this ends nicely, but my manager said, don't take the job. And in fact, turn them down. Turn them down, right? Mm -hmm. Without me knowing. Turn it down. I mean, these are LA people, right? Uh -huh. In New York, I like to say that when you have earned something in television in New York and you are sitting on a throne of skulls, <laughs> it is, it, I've had people come up to me in the street and be like, you took that job from me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anything you make here, you make, you know, it's like somebody else is losing and you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna run into that first. So like, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a walking town, yeah. It's a walking town. You could be served by that person. <laughs> a copy, whatever it is. They could be, I, I've had, I've been in lifts with people. I've been like, I tried out for that too. And like, oh man, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's dog eat dog. Yeah. So long story short, I, he rejects it. I call my friend, Tracy Oliver. And I'm like, I'll take the job. I'll be there Monday. <laughs> yeah. So I'm there on Monday. I take the job. The world goes into lockdown mode. There's no, you know, if I hadn't taken that job, then I wouldn't, you know, I'd you be, wouldn't have had money. Yeah. Wouldn't have money. I would have probably had to move back to Texas. <laughs> you know, you get sadder and sadder the story. So from that, I got offered a part on the show. So I got to do that thing where it's like you get to write and act. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after that, Lord, I was like, and then I, and then the folks from Charlemagne's God's Honest Truth on Comedy Central called and uh, they wanted me to write for that. So I, I did that. That was amazing. And then wh when that was going on at the same time, my friend Phoebe Robinson was developing her show. So oh. I then jumped from there to Phoebe's show. Mm -hmm. So from 2020 to 2023, I was like working like a crazy person mm -hmm. and only <laughs> in the last couple like these months the strike everything like that have things slowed down but it's been it's been a real whirlwind and wow it, yeah i wouldn't trade it in for anything man it's been great yeah and at at what point did the drew barrymore show come in oh yeah in 2020 during covid uh after i was done with the first wives club writing for first wives club mm -hmm. so i wrote for them and then in about august 2020 the folks from drew barrymore called and they were like we're launching a show we, we need a head writer so i wrote for that for 13 glorious weeks and then i was like this is not this is not me i love you guys this is not me i'm not a morning person i love you i love drew i love her. i love your quirkiness i got to write some amazing stuff namely a sketch with her and adam sandler that's i think to date you know to right here pat myself uh, on the back yeah, but it's yeah. the most watched thing that uh that they created, whatever. Oh, awesome. and then I and, I and then I wrote like some stuff for them for upfronts this year. You know, like oh, we're cool, still cool. cool. We're still cool. But before that, I I started a, a class, like a sitcom writing class, to help mm -hmm. people kind of like break in mm -hmm. into the industry and take some of the things that I kind of gleaned and learned. And I have a theory about writing a pilot mm -hmm. and how at least it can get you seen. Like everybody's got a. A story within them and a pilot but you have to have a calling card script this is what like showrunners read and things like that uh -huh. and so i have this this method and i shared it with these students it was incredible such an incredible thing it, it, it you know in ways during the during COVID, it really really saved me you know what i mean like the, yeah because we were still writing despite 
despite everything. In fact, I'm starting the class again uh, at the end of this month because I find it interesting that I tend to do the class in times when the machine isn't on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but people find it helpful. I find, I definitely find it helpful and mm-hmm. just like really fulfilling, man. It's pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did the Drew Barrymore thing. Uh-huh. Then I did, then I did First Winners Club. Mm-hmm. Then I did Charlemagne the God. And this sounds well sexual. Then I did, <laughs> then I did Everything's Trash. And we only got one season. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. And it wasn't like Drew Tarver on that as well. Mm. Let's see. Who, who else was on it? We had Moses Storm. Uh, Moses Storm is who yes. I meant. Yeah. Moses Storm. Super funny stand up. So funny. So funny. Does this thing. He just did this thing at Edinburgh about uh, a cult because he survived a cult. As a child, he was brought up in a cult. Wow. Yeah. I mean, who among us? You know? <laughs> <laughs> if I had a nickel. <laughs> and he's friends with, uh, just to do some shameless name dropping, he's friends with uh, Nicholas Braun, mm-hmm. which, uh, cousin, cousin Greg. Yeah, he's Succession. fantastic on Succession, yeah. And, uh, and i was a huge fan, you know. Yeah. And I went to go see Moses' show at the Bell House. Hey, 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 hey. in Gowanus, in Gowanus. <laughs> And that night, Nicholas Braun is there. We're all hanging out. And he is the exact same person. <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> so charming. It's really funny. Really, really funny. <laughs> he has some moves on, on Succession, especially early on in that show. Yeah. But I'm like, how does a person choose to do that? Like, how does yeah. and nail it? And it's kind of... It's kind of nice and endearing to know that that's just kind of how he is. So he truly it, it comes out naturally because I'm like, man, uh, it's got to be the greatest actor in the world to manufacture that. Yeah, he doesn't know when to leave the room. Very, very <laughs> much like just has an odd affect. But yeah. like and he's super it, funny. It works. So funny. So funny. <laughs> he's said a lot of really funny bits online. Oh my God. Yeah, man. Oh, online? I've never checked him out online. Just, I've seen, just, he did just, some song during the pandemic that I saw, and I was like, this is pretty funny. I'll <laughs> like, <laughs> like, check that stuff. out, man. I can't remember the name of it. I can kind of just remember some of the images from the music video. I'm always down for a Nick Braun dose. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. So that, yeah, that's that's basically where I am right now. Yeah, and and acting a bunch. I mean, you you've had... Mm-hmm acting work since the early 2000s and a lot of really great things that you've been in ugly betty and and yes jackie on top of the things that you've already Jesus. mentioned yeah. broad city yeah broad city absolutely abby and alana yeah man yeah I love them. that was fun yeah that was that was a really fun episode i remember before that show began i was in a coffee shop in chelsea and they were working on that show they were mm-hmm. writing it they were like do you know how to write a treatment I just happened to walk in the coffee shop and they were like, hey, Jordan, do you know how to write a treatment? And I was like, not really. And then, and then I left. And I think about <laughs> if I had stayed, if I had stayed, what would my life be like then, Jason? Huh? What would it be like then, Jason Farr? I would own Gowanus. Do you understand? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you uh, would be working on hacks. I don't know. <laughs> like- uh, bring it. Great Bring show. It, yeah. Paul W. Downs, all that kind of stuff. I bet oh, he, yeah. knew, he knew how to write a treatment. Paul W. Downs and Jen Statsky. Yes. I love Jen Statsky. Yeah. She's so funny. First saw her on Late Night mm. and just became a big fan because she, she's, I think she's such a, got a unique comedic voice. Yes. Uh, and she's doing great stuff over there at Hacks as well as Paul Downs. And oh, why am I blinking on the other creator's name? Well, uh, the star, Einbinder. What a name. Oh, what, sure. Yeah. What a name. Also great. Yeah. Her also, mom is, her mom was, is it, SNL, right? She was, a, yeah. Lorraine, 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 Lorraine Newman? Newman. Lorraine Newman. Yeah. Dude, look at, look at us. <laughs> Didn't even have to Google it. See, that's a, that's a child born in the 70s. <laughs> yep. It, it'll come to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you, do a, a lot of studying for acting because you've, you've been in all this stuff. So not a lot. It was a lot of, <laughs> I guess it was the improv training really helps a yeah. lot with improv, with acting. improv helps a lot, you know, but 
you know, man, I'm going to go take a class this fall as well. I think it's always important. You know, it's like that old Abraham Lincoln line. If you gave me six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four hours sharpening the ax, you know? Mm. And I think you got to like, it's important to sharpen that ax. So even by virtue of teaching, it helps me write uh, better. I think that like teaching it, then you got to be honest with yourself about your own writing and all that kind of stuff, which is really helpful. But with acting, acting is such a, you know, it's a wicked, wicked mistress. And I feel like, especially with comedy, when you do comedy acting, Mm -hmm. something is, uh, people don't talk about it. We need to normalize this conversation, Jason, but on, on set, you're not allowed to laugh. Yeah. So you never know how you're doing. You know how you're doing? (laughs) You just have to go by how it feels. What do the Which camera is, guys think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's tough. That's really right. tough. I have seen a lot of shows here, like late night shows re- record. Mm-hmm. And the when they are telling the audience what their role is, because they have, they're recording the audience laughter. <laughs> I've also seen Seth Meyers and Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. rehearse their monologues. Oh, in Seth Meyers' case, they were like, if you like it, laugh heartily. If you don't, let it die. If you don't like the joke, just let it die. For Fallon, they were like, hey, Jimmy's going to come out and just laugh for whatever you like, you know, whatever. And people were just so excited to see Jimmy Fallon sure. that they're just laughing so hard at everything. Yeah. And the absolutely. thing that the thing I noticed him doing was sort of looking off to the head writer mm-hmm. and just you could just see him doing the math in his brain of like did that really work though <laughs> <laughs> that is such a superpower i feel like you have to have especially yeah. if you're like like in that situation or in an acting situation where people aren't laughing and if they break then okay you got them to laugh but they can't use the take <laughs> so you take you've got to be that good again but not make anyone laugh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's that's the kind of the conundrum of the situational comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's supposed to like, and that was always drilled into me. They're like, you know, like they'd be like, "Oh, that was so funny," but you know what? You know, I could see that you weren't believing whatever, and you're just like, "Oh my god, did you laugh or not?" But you know, <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. So let me get this straight. <laughs> So it, was, it fucking made you laugh, right? <laughs> What's the problem? Yeah. Like, yeah, but the way uh, I, I, this person that is not, not an expert in comedy is just like, <laughs> it shouldn't make me laugh. I'm like, okay, whatever, <laughs> dude. You know, it's a, it's a situational comedy is, is a very unique, unique delivery, right? Mm. Where you have to believe it's more just like you make the situation funny. Mm-hmm. Best case examples are Charlie Chaplin or, mm. or Buster Keaton or mm. like Mr. Bean, where they, you know, they know, I mean, everybody knows it's funny, but to them, this is a serious thing happening in their life, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I, I've had to like really learn that the hard way, ah. but it's, it's been, it's been good. You know, there's been good results. Like I've been very fortunate, but like, but at, at the same time, it's something that you just deal with like all the time. You're like, yeah. you're like, like, okay, I want to be funny, but I don't want to be too funny. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give anything away, you know? And, and so that's, I mean, that's a lot of like what auditioning, casting and yeah. stuff like that. Are. But, you know, stand-up's different. Stand-up's great in that you like all that shit goes out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to switch so much too, I yeah. bet, because of the different sort of projects you're working on. Sure. When it comes to acting, because you've done commercials, I've done commercials. I feel like it's the weird. You look, yeah, you look familiar, man. Where I see you, where I see you in a commercial. We're I looking it up wonder... right now on iSpot.tv. What's going I don't on? know if I'm on iSpot. Why are you not on iSpot, Jason? Because tell... I, so I yes. did a commercial for Meta that was for WhatsApp. Whoa. I have yet to see it. <laughs> no, when did that happen? It was like two years ago. I was in a, a Blue Apron commercial, so maybe very nice. Maybe that, but man, I don't know what because I wish I had seen the, the WhatsApp thing looked cool just being on set, and the director's yes. amazing. 
So I knew she was doing good work. And I saw like a shot when I was standing on set. I was like, this commercial is going to look cool. But I have yet to see it. But I don't know what else you might have seen me in. It's all good, man. I mean, you have one of those faces. But like, I, yeah, you took it. You took a job for me. You took a job. (laughs) If I had a little more cachet. We Damn. would have seen each other in the same in those in the yes, I love that rooms. waiting room. The waiting room, <laughs> yeah. I bet my we would have. <laughs> my favorite is like when you're. It's like between you and another person, and the demo is completely different. Like yeah. you, you, you are what you look like, and the other person, you're like they don't know what they want. So yeah. let's just go in there. And I have lo- I have seen some commercials I did not get when I saw it. I was like, I understand why they went what they went with because. Right. It fits the commercial better. Yeah. However, I don't know why they brought me in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why was I reading for it? Well, sometimes they want the alternative. And you know what? I, I even forgot that I did all these other things. I did Guy Code in 2013. Oh, nice. From 2012 to 2014 or 15, I was doing Guy Code. Nice. But like, yeah. which, was, which was great. That I was like, how did I live? Okay. So that's, that's how I lived. But commercials are funny because they are in and of themselves. Like they, they are such gut punches and gut checks to your ego. You know, <laughs> I think every man in this society should have to go through a, a commercial audition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for a, a La Quinta Express commercial audition where they keep telling you to make it smaller. And you're just yeah. like, if I make it smaller, but I will I'm not be, even acting. I'm not acting. I am a methadone addict. I am <laughs> right, not. Right. <laughs> I am not reacting to anything, you know. But the ones where I can actually pull that off, I, I get the part, uh-huh. and it's just like I'm like, that's not fun. It's just like, <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. And the times there've been a couple yeah. of times where I could really explore and be big. And yeah. those are the only fun times, but those oh. are few and far between. So few and far between. Like so most of the time they want something so simple and they, I've talked about it before in the podcast, but there was an audition I did and it wasn't for an Alexa dot. It was for something else, mm-hmm. but they wanted the character to interact with an Alexa dot. And they're like, yeah, you're just carrying something. You drop it. You just go Alexa, da, 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 da. And so I kept doing it. And he's like, can you say it a little bit more like you talked to an Alexa? And I was like, I'm saying it exactly <laughs> how I talk to my Alexa. <laughs> like, it's literally the same tone. Right. Like, what do they want? <laughs> what do they want? I have no idea. I've never seen the commercial, but they kept going. I did so many takes, so many tries at it. And when one person was sort of like, okay, we're not going to get it. Like, I could just tell that was what he was thinking. And I was thinking that. Then this other guy was like, can we actually get another take where you're a little bit more like, and I'm like, you mean the thing he just said (laughs) that I've been doing five times that I'm not nailing? (laughs) Because for some reason, the way I talk to my Alexa is not natural enough to to you. (laughs) I wish I had said that, but of course I couldn't. You can't. (laughs) In the moment... I do like it because everybody on a commercial set is on their best fucking behavior. Now. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's yeah. on their best behavior. It's so nice. It's so nice. I'm so, I, I have a couple rules now. I've, I've booked a couple this, this year. So it's like my new rule is I will not go to any audition, not on edibles. I, <laughs> <laughs> I will not do it. I will. I refuse to lose. <laughs> I have booked work that has garnered me a lot of money on edibles, and I advise openly anybody going out for a commercial. I don't care if it's illegal in your state. Get on some eddies before you pop to that door, because you know what? It's a don't care thing. It's a don't care. It's a don't care. Stop thinking. Just do. They want you to do. They want you to get it right. And like, and honestly, all the voices in my head, I was. Tell myself, listen, when I'm done with this, we can get back to regular scheduled programming of hating myself. (laughs) I just embrace myself for five to seven minutes. Let's go. Let's go. Have you also then when you do the do the actual shoot said, well, I guess I have to be edible. (laughs) Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Oh, I just I did a, I did a fertilizer commercial, which will remain nameless. And you, and you, I feel like there are only people, so many. There's only so many commercials. Only so many. But I was I was on a couple milligrams and. <laughs> Definitely I'm going to have like, to try it. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to try it just because I want a book. <laughs> I'll just do do the commercial, have an HTTC drink. and Man, I'm telling you, it's, it's, well, people are talking now in auditions about beta blockers and things like that because mm-hmm. of the, the very, you know, like it's literally a job interview every day. Oh, and it's so you many. And, and they're asking, their asks yeah. can be so strange. Yeah. Yeah, so strange that you're fighting all this inside you mm-hmm. in order to, you're doing just as much as you can, you know. And yeah. there's and and I, I'd heard people talking about taking beta blockers and things like that before going in for an audition. And I and I honestly feel as though like that's a part of the business mm-hmm. that like that it's a it's a manufactured kind of crucible, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like like for instance. Why is like I, I heard my niece is very good at the piano <laughs> and she wrote all the notes on the piano, like, you know, a flat mm-hmm. E, whatever on the on the keys, because it's like a Casio keyboard. It's not a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and then I was like, well, to her mom, I was like, well, you know, I mean, is she really learning? I mean, <laughs> and then I thought about it and I was like, half of the reason why we applaud at people on the piano, because they they. If you look at a piano, you don't know what notes what the notes are. But if you wrote them on the keys, it'd make it a whole lot easier. But we're like, look at this fucking guy. You don't even need it. He's memorized the whole piano. Like, why? Why do we do, just put it on there? It like, would be easier. It's like a keyboard. Then you'd pay to see people type. If if there were if you didn't if no one knew what the letters and numbers were, you'd be like, look at this guy. He's got a whole name. <laughs> what a genius look at him go how does he do it how does he do it i can only i can only write chopsticks that's all i can do on the on the keyboard i can you know, only like, play half of a lick on a guitar part yeah <laughs> like i don't know what exactly, i'm doing exactly if if you knew <laughs> if you figure it out just just put it out there yeah just put it out there yeah man i, I feel like dismantling or like demystifying all those things like if i can if i can work on one small plank you know like because mm-hmm. what the pillar one of the pillars to me is anxiety mm-hmm. so if i take oh take out that anxiety i've got the talent yeah i've got the i've got the you know the resume mm-hmm. here you go you know take out the worry take thank you take out the blocks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a smart idea Get fucked up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> please drink responsibly. Yeah, please drink um, Yeah, I just, I know I couldn't come up. You, know, sure, you can't show up drunk, I guess. Don't but do hey, that. Hey, you know what? It worked for Mel Gibson. No. Um, I, I think people have been trying to get out of their heads. Creative people have been trying to get out of their way and out of their heads for so long. Unfortunately, some people, you know, like when I think about writers like M. Scott Fitzgerald, they did it with like alcohol, you know? Right. Or like people did it, like Jimi Hendrix would do it with like with heroin. Right. But you finally have, you know, a substance where it's like you take it, you f- you feel great, and then it's out of your system and you don't have a hangover and there's no like repercussions that we know of, you know, mm-hmm. like knock on wood. So yeah. it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Because I've tried anxiety and caffeine <laughs> for 20 oh, years. Yeah. Well, and ca- uh, caffeine can kick in the anxiety even more. It just, you know. Yeah. So you mentioned, so we, t- we talked about acting for commercials, acting mm-hmm. for sitcoms. I would imagine with the way sitcoms are shot now, it's very similar to acting in film. Yes. It, the, it's cross-boarded mm-hmm. and everything is like, you know, it's like a little movie. You do 10 episodes of it. So when I did Everything's Trash, it was pretty cool because you got to see like, I got to see it from, you know, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was really, really something. And a real experience for me, a real learning experience. It was like going to grad school, basically, you know, mm-hmm. you get to see how to like break story, break, break seasons, break arcs, understanding like, you know, the, the story within the story, right? That, that there's an overarching story. Like for me, I've always felt like the first season of any show is just like, it's a war, right? Will you win the war or lose the war, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
the first season you win the war. And in the second season, you try to keep the peace, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. it's like, that's, that's basically it. Yeah. And yeah. And in the third season is usually like, so if you have thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, right? So usually another character is introduced, uh -huh. right? That, that's usually what it is. So I got nothing beyond that. <laughs> and the cycle begins again, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what we tried to do in Everything's Trash. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it definitely, it worked on that level. Mm -hmm. And, but then when, when it came time to act, I was, there was no real preparation I had to do because I'd been with the character. Right. Since, yeah, no one, no one said to me like, he you wouldn't know, say that. <laughs> he wouldn't act like that or he wouldn't say that. <laughs> it was it's kind of dope to to be a tweener like that and to be able to to be in the writer's room mm -hmm. and then on set as well mm -hmm. because it just gives you a lot of confidence with your character and you don't even notice it. You don't even notice it. You just go do the thing. And there's and I need it honestly because you know like I mean when I I was working with real actors on this show you know like people yeah. that like people that study like this lady uh takar cash she's like she she won the grace like i think she won the grace kelly award and she just like she just like performed in west end and in, in london the london west end and it was like i was like oh my god like this person was like prepping and like going there you know <laughs> yeah. but also was just a terrific comedic actor and could just like, you know, nail whatever. And, and it was like, when you, when, you know, I realized like, oh my gosh, I need like a staggered start. I need like, I need like, yeah. <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> I need a lot of lead time, a lot of lead time. And the same thing happened with me on First Wives Club. I got to, I was writing the whole thing. And wrote right. The so you got to know the ins and outs of the meaning of everything. You didn't, you know, you didn't need that extra backstory Push. work yeah no it's all about understanding dynamics and energy and tension between characters and there was never a moment where somebody was like you know jordan you're not really fucking you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and my brittle ego couldn't take that anyway so was, <laughs> so i have to be there from inception <laughs> you know so that's really what it is man but it, i mean I, I i suggest it to anybody that's mm -hmm. able to to do it because you know a lot of people they get, or at least my friends, and this is an unscientific poll, but when you do stand-up comedy, you want to be the star. Mm -hmm. You want to be the star all the time. But you know what? There's, there's so many parts on a show. And understanding all the dynamics and facets of what makes a show go, what makes you know anything, a movie, happen. Mm -hmm. I think like learning, learning to be a writer, learning to take notes, learning to take criticism, rather than being the star and... And have, you know, being the star who's like, t you know, taking up all the limelight, mm -hmm. it's just, it, I'd rather have a more holistic approach Yeah, where it's like, okay, being the star is a role, but what I've noticed is like, when you're the star, sometimes you know the least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause <laughs> you you're know the person, the call sheet means you could show up whenever you want. <laughs> they're they're going to adjust to you. Absolutely. But <laughs> you also don't. You might not get why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Yeah. And you might not get why a character wants to do this. And, and you know, like, mm -hmm. or you might not even understand how to write something, you know? Yeah. And then and this, it, the yeah. dynamics that you're talking about in the writer's room really steeps you in what the whole thing is about and, and the little yeah. nuances between the characters mm -hmm. that person reading it you know, just reading their part even might go, oh, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> yes. Yes. When you've been, I am so slow <laughs> and that I need to be completely saturated in what I'm doing, yeah. you know? And that's when it, that's when it really comes together for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, look, I, I, we could talk forever, but We've reached the end oh. of the episode. What? I, I know. Oh my God, Jason Farr. <laughs> it's time to create something together. And I feel like a thing that's sticking out to me with your career are the transitions you've made because you were yeah. an econ major at Brown and then you move 
to New York for comedy, but you're working at an ad firm. Yes. You're a copywriter, an ad agency. And then you transition into stand-up and also start acting at that same time, which is a a little bit of a transition. It's a throw. Yeah. Kind of adjacent though. It's not, it's not the turn that copywriter from econ major is maybe, but still they support each other. And then the other changes you've adapted to over the years. What sort of advice would you give people who are trying to do that? Like, what are the sort of things to look out for? Okay. In transitioning and, 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 and transitioning um, from, cause you, I feel like if anyone knows how to transition, right. it's you. Well, transition is thrown around a lot today in society, <laughs> that term. So maybe, let's say pivot. Okay. Oh, so pivot. Yeah. I don't mean no. to disrespect anyone. <laughs> No, you're fine. <laughs> so, but when pivoting, mm-hmm. I would say like milestones happen in a day in your mm-hmm. life, right? One day you were crawling and then one day you could walk and that was, that was it. You weren't going really back to crawling. Right, right. One day you couldn't drive and then you did. Mm-hmm. And just like, and understand that, that like the milestones will happen in a day in your life and that change will come. And the the most important thing is to really walk through that door and have confidence in your choice. Mm. When you have confidence in your choice, when you stick with your plan, you never know where, where it will take you. When you don't, when you second guess yourself, when you doubt yourself, that's when, believe me, that that that's when bad things can happen. Wow. And I don't mean I don't mean like bad things like like a tornado strikes. I just mean like, <laughs> I mean like, you have it. You have the wherewithal, but what people usually don't have is belief in themselves. Mm-hmm. So, at the, and I don't always, you know, but in those moments when I do, when I do really believe in myself, not cocky or anything like that, but just a belief that I can, I got this, mm-hmm. you know, and I, cause we're both Gen Xers mm-hmm. and I have studied too much, mm-hmm. prepared too much. <laughs> I am over the top prepared that I will allow myself <laughs> to be great. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a Gen Xer, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> millennials, they're going to build the car as they drive it. <laughs> Gen Z, I don't, I don't even, I, I don't even, I don't know what to say. But like, <laughs> but like, I think that's really it. If mm-hmm. you pivot, if you pivot, do it. You know? Don't, don't talk to anybody about it that will talk you out of it. Yeah. All too often, you know, because honestly, nobody's keeping score. Right. And all too often, I mean, these days, like you can make you, I've seen comedians become sensations from Instagram, from, you know, crowd work. And there's, I'm, do I resent it? Sure. (laughs) Sure, Jason, I resent it. But if, if you have, if you have yourself an audience and an opportunity, go for it or whatever it is you're doing in life that you, if you want to do something else, like you only have this one life and, and because, and, and I think you're kind of speaking to creatives and artists mm-hmm. in this sense, here's the thing about being an artist, you know, when you're done with something, that's why children are the best artists. My yeah. kids are the best artists, man, because when they're done, they're done, you know, <laughs> Picasso said the kids are the best artists. And, and that's why, like, my man, like, will, like, draw something with the Crayolas and then just be like, ah, you know what I mean? And he's not like, should I touch that up a little bit over here? No, when you're done being, you know, if you're done working in compliance, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Nashville, and mm-hmm. you put in good, good work there, mm-hmm. but you had a dream to be a singer or whatever it is, and you're done, you know? And you, and you say, I gave this my time and I'm going to do something else and I'm going to give it a shot. And you have to be ready for all, you know, all that that entails, but you know, or not ready <laughs> or not ready and you'll learn and you'll be fine. You'll definitely like, you'll adapt. You know, that's what I did. I love that advice. There it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, George. Also, yeah, man, edibles before you do your audition, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. 
like I said, I laugh a lot in this episode. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. And also, don't forget to go to jordancarloscomic.com to get tickets to those shows that I mentioned. There's one in Williamsport, Pennsylvania this Friday and then next Monday in Brooklyn. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is. And follow me on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes and Instagram at Jason Far Picks. Also, subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. We have a fun pop talk episode next week. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 